This morning we're continuing a series that I started about three weeks ago, actually. We've had a break for a couple of weeks, entitled The Authentic Christian Life. And the authentic Christian life is a life which abides in Christ. Amen? God is not so much interested in what you do as to what is the source of what you're doing. We are branches in the vine. And it's his life that flows into us producing the fruit. The branch cannot produce fruit of itself. But connected to the vine, abiding in Christ, we bear much fruit. Let me say this, that the abiding life will actually put you in the minority. Unfortunately, and I say that not only through observation, but from the word of God. The minority of people in in the body of Christ actually abide in Christ, live a life of abiding and living from abiding in Christ. Jesus said, you know, many will say, many will say to me in that day, Lord, we've done this, we've done that, we've done, and and he will say, I never knew you. you. That's what you did. That's what you produced independently of me. Many. In the same chapter, Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, wide is the gate and and broad is the way that leads to destruction. A lot of people think that means hell. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people that do not live this life that he has been sharing in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, which is impossible to live, by the way. You can't live it. I can't live it. It's his life flowing through us. Amen. Amen. And uh, so it will put you in the minority. Now, we started uh, a couple of weeks ago by saying that Jesus said, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. And that word true, as we saw, is from the Greek word uh, alethinos. And it actually means true as opposed to counterfeit. True as opposed to that which is replicated or, or simulated to appear as. And, and others will present themselves to you as a vine. You will look at them and you will think you can live from them. And that's, that will bring you into a state of codependency. Now, I said that the local church can be like that. God has blessed us by placing us in a church where we can grow in grace together. The danger is that we can look to the church in a codependent way and look to find things from the church which we should be looking to Jesus to find those things from. Amen? We can find that in ministries like a teacher or, or a leader. We, you know, God has blessed us with these gifts in the body of Christ, but we need to be careful we don't live codependently in those ministries because those ministries are meant to connect us to Jesus so that we can live Christ-dependent ways. Now, what does, what, what, what does the authentic Christian life look like in contrast to counterfeit Christianity then? So I want to share a few things that, that hopefully you'll be able to relate to and identify with. And the first one is that counterfeit Christianity always emphasizes organization, whereas authentic Christianity is organic. It has life within itself, and that life is natural. Amen? And and you find this especially, I mean, what I'm going to share with you relates uh, specifically to the individual Christian life, but but this relates more specifically to the local church. It's it's quite interesting how many churches begin to 
build themselves around an organizational model from the world, and usually like from the business world, the corporate world, and they try to organize everything within the church, and that which is meant to be organic becomes institutionalized, if you understand what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. I mean, God saves us and His grace is upon us to function in a gifting. Amen? But then, you, you know, in some churches you share that with the leadership and they say, well, hang on, we need to discuss this, you know, and, and, and pray about this and we'll come back to you and let you know whether you can function in that way. And, and, and so, you know, it goes to a committee and committees are usually where vision is aborted. Amen? Not released. That's where it's usually aborted. And so then if you, if you get that message and you begin to function as God has called you to function, then you're classed as a rebel. You're asked questions like, whose covering are you under? Which is a non-biblical term. You won't find that term in the Bible. So usually when I hear that term, whose covering are you under? I say, do you mean whose control? Because that's what it means. Organization will try to control you, put you in a box and tell you how you should function. Whereas authentic Christianity is, is natural. Amen? You know, Often churches have uh, discipleship programs and, and you're tracked all the way through at different stations. Have you got there yet? Okay, we take you on to the next one, we take you on to the next one. And so it's all organized for you, as if you can organize growth. You can't organize growth. There's nothing more natural than growth. Jesus said, he that has the Son has life. Zoe, which means the quality of life as possessed by the one who gave it. So Christ will be revealed in you because you have his life. And, and, and growth is organic, you know. Growth is only an expansion of the life that you already have. But, you know, we get into these follow-up programs. Who's following him up? <laughs> Who's making sure he grows? Yeah, every time I hear that word follow-up, I always think about the incident where Jesus healed that demoniac. You remember that man that was stacked up to the eyeballs with demons? He was so demon-possessed, they had to chain him to the rocks because he was violent, he was aggressive, and even ripped the chains out of the rocks. He was, he was a wild man. And then Jesus came along, and he got wonderfully saved. And then Jesus moved on, and the man pleaded with him, begged him, can I come with you? And Jesus said, no. I reckon... The, the disciples would have been gobsmacked. Don't you think so? They would have probably said, well, who's going to follow him up? He's got issues, man. He's got issues. Look at his past. He's got a lot of stuff that he's got to deal with, a lot of baggage. Who's going to follow him up? God? Just a thought? Maybe God can do it. Amen? Amen. Trouble with counterfeit Christianity that emphasizes organization is there's no room for the Holy Spirit. We've got to trust the Holy Spirit. He that began the good work in you, he will perform it. Amen. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Amen. Okay, moving on. Another aspect of contrast is that counterfeit Christianity tries to make things happen. Whereas authentic Authentic Christianity responds to what God is doing. Amen? Amen. I saw a, a little a, a bumper sticker 
thing on, 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 on the internet the other day, it said something like this, Jesus is coming soon, look busy. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I often say there's two kinds of people, there are those who have got something to do, and there are those who have got to do something. You know what I mean? It's like we've got to be busy for Jesus. We've got to get on with the work. But that's not what the Bible says. Jesus did not operate like that. He said, I only do those things I see my Father doing. I'm working with my Father. He initiates, I follow His leading. That's the authentic Christian life. I, I, you know, sometimes when I study, I come across a word and I go off on these tangents. And uh, recently I, was, I just looked at that word prepare. And I saw a beautiful thing, how much God prepares things in our lives. There's nothing random. There's nothing chance. God has been preparing stuff. You know, he prepared salvation for us. When Jesus was brought to the temple, and was it Simeon, that old guy there? He said, Lord, now you're going to let me depart because I've seen the salvation that you have prepared for the Jews and the Gentiles. And when Jesus commenced his ministry 30 years later, there was a special man to prepare the way, John the Baptist, so that people would know this is Jesus because it was prophesied that John would prepare the way. Amen? Every blessing that you receive in your Christian life has been prepared for you. The Bible says that, that God may open our eyes, that, that, that we might see the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Amen? Blessings are not random. It's not come to the front and lucky dip. See what you get. See whether God's going to bless you today. It's your turn. No, it's not like that at all. God has prepared his blessings for us from eternity. You know, Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom. Do you think he's going to arrive and say, well, now how do we start this thing here? No. The Bible speaks about a kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world that we're going to inherit. And, and, and even after that age, you know, the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven as a bride prepared for the bridegroom. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? Everything God does, he prepares us for. And it's like that with our ministry, with the works that God has for us to do. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he, God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not trying to look busy for Jesus. Amen? Amen? We're not volunteering for everything that, you know, every request that goes out there. God has specific works that he has prepared for you and has prepared you for. And you are gifted for those things. Somebody once said, blessed are those who deliver us from good suggestions. <laughs> I've fallen foul of many good suggestions in my lifetime. I don't know about you, you know? There's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. Amen? You come to that stage where you recognize that. That's a good idea. Let's do that. No. Let's think about this. Let's pray about this. Is this what God is calling us to? We're not trying to make something happen. He has prepared works for us that we should walk in them. Now, now when you preach that sort of thing, people accuse you of passivity, being passive. You guys don't do anything. You're abiding. You're just waiting for it all. It's not like that, you know? Those that abide in Christ are not inactive. They believe in directed activity. 
Let him direct you. Let him lead you. Let him take you to where he wants you to go and to do what he wants you to do. Amen. You know, when my grandson, my oldest grandson was, was a little boy, he used to come and stay with us quite a bit. And uh, we had this bowl of artificial fruit. You know, nicely decorated. That looks like an apple. That looks like an orange. That looks like a banana. And, and it was just lying there. And, and one morning I got up and sat at the table and our grandson had been staying with us that weekend. And I just looked at this bowl of artificial fruit and there were some teeth marks <laughs> in the apple. Guess who did that? You know, no, not Ken. Artificial fruit looks lovely, but it doesn't feed you and it's not nourishing. Amen. In fact, there's a factory where they make it. You go to that factory, it's noisy. Everyone's rushing around, busy, looking busy. Amen. It's smelly, smells of all the chemical and paints that they use. It's not nice. But if you go to an orchard, it's calm, it's peaceful, it's fragrant, and it looks like nothing's happening. But fruit is growing imperceptibly to us. Amen? That's the difference. We're not trying to make things happen. God, we know that God is working. He's been working for 2,000 years. He said, I will build my church. He's going to use you. He's going to use me. But we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit in those things that we do. Amen? Next thing is that counterfeit Christianity emphasizes deficiency. Authentic Christian life teaches sufficiency. Incidentally, as you go through each one of these, you'll notice the difference. There's, there's a pattern, there's a trend that runs through. You say, how can I tell the difference? Counterfeit Christianity always focuses on the branch. Authentic Christianity always focuses on the vine. Amen? And so, you might be told you're deficient in some way. You need more. You lack. You're struggling because you don't have. Come to the front and we will pray for you and impart to you and you can have. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, ah, hang on, right there. Just hold it right there. Don't look to the branch. Look to the vine. You are complete in him. Everything you need lives inside you because the life of the vine is flowing into the branch. Amen? I think somebody quoted this verse this morning. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need to live the Christian life, to be a godly person, lives inside you. His divine power, that power, that life that flows from the vine, flows into you and produces everything that is necessary. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That word, that word abundantly means more than enough. There's an overflow. More than sufficient. It's a, it's a word that was used when Jesus fed the 5,000 and afterwards they gathered up all the fragments and there was, was it, 12 baskets full. Same word. There's an over, more than enough. Do you have enough? No, you have more than enough. Amen? 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Hallelujah. You are not deficient. Don't look to the branch. Look to the vine. Amen. Here's another one. Christianity wants fame. Authentic Christianity, it's counterfeit Christianity, wants fame. Authentic Christianity wants to glorify his name. You know the thing I've noticed about counterfeit Christianity, it always emphasizes big and the spectacular. Puts on big events, gets everyone to come to the big event, emphasizes size, numbers, and there will be miracles there. Amazing how they can announce miracles ahead of time, isn't it? Huh? Never happened in the New Testament that way. Anyway, so they emphasize the big and the spectacular and, and sometimes even bring out celebrity Christians. Look who we've got on our side. Now do you want to become a Christian? <laughs> it's that kind of mentality. Whereas authentic Christianity emphasizes that which is seemingly small in our eyes. Do you know what authentic Christianity would emphasize? Things like when somebody slaps you around the face and you're able to turn the other cheek. That's big in the kingdom of God. That's huge. The angels are saying, get a load of this, would you? <laughs> Amen? Authentic Christianity is when you can look in the eyes of someone who's just betrayed you, just like Jesus did to Judas, and say, I still love you. That's big in the kingdom of God. That's big in heaven. Amen? Authentic Christianity is when you can remain faithful in trials and patient in suffering. You know, none of these things I can do. It's not me. It's, it's the vine sending his life into the branch that enables you and I to live like that. And that's big in the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, here's another one. Counterfeit Christianity demands conformity. Everyone's the same. It's almost like cultish, you know, we, we all, you've got to do what I do, think what, like I think, and say what I say, and some even dress like I dress. Seriously. There's this emphasis on conformity, whereas authentic Christianity allows uniqueness, allows God to express himself differently through each of us. I love this verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That word manifold, it means multifaceted, many-sided. It's like God is holding a gem. The church is a gem in his hands and as he rotates it slowly it glistens and gleams shafts of light are, you know coming off here and there and and it just shines in different ways that's the church that's the church 
You know, when God began to restore a knowledge and a greater understanding of the grace of God to the body of Christ, I noticed that everyone was into Joseph Prince. And I love Joseph Prince. You know that he, I think we, the church owes a lot to his ministry because he has really brought a greater understanding and a greater emphasis on grace. But God said to me, don't be an echo, be a voice. You know, when God made Joseph Prince, he destroyed the mold afterwards. He only wanted one. Amen. And as I say, I love Joseph Prince. We, you know, we listen to his ministry, we get, get a lot from his ministry. I remember once when I was ministering in Indonesia, there's another pastor, he's actually my interpreter at a conference I spoke at. And he was greatly blessed by Joseph's ministry. And he had a lot of his teachings on USB and he used to go, you know, listen to them, his earphones, wherever, you know, when he went on a trip. And then he lost that USB. And he said, oh no, I've got to copy all these again. And the Lord said to him, don't. You know, God has blessed you through his ministry, but, but God wants to speak through you, to you and through you as he created you to be, to be yourself. Amen? So, you know, counterfeit Christianity, it's, it's into mass production, churning people out like sausages out of a machine. Whereas God grows fruit differently in different shapes and sizes and we all express the grace of God in our own unique way. Amen. Okay. Counterfeit Christianity is sin conscious. Authentic Christianity is righteousness consciousness. Now remember, counterfeit Christianity is always looking to the branch and drawing attention to the branch. And so counterfeit Christianity will always beat up on people who sin and be angry with people who are sin and judgmental towards people who sin and condemn people who sin. Now, I'm not going light on sin. You know that. Grace does not, is not an excuse for sin. But there's a way to deal with sin. You know, you go to the doctor because you're sick. He doesn't get angry with you because you're sick. Amen? He gets angry with the sickness. He attacks the sickness, not the patient. Amen? And, and there's a way to deal with sin, and that is to, again, take us back to the vine. Jesus is our righteousness. You focus on his righteousness, and guess what happens after a while? You start living righteously. Amen. You focus on sin and, and, and you, you know, keep on uh, emphasizing sin and people have a sin consciousness and guess what they do? They, they get in bondage to sin. But you keep looking at the loveliness of Jesus and his, his victory over sin and the fact that one day, you know, sin is not going to be a permanent part of your life. Something we're dealing with now on earth. Amen. And by his grace, we stand in the victory that he has won. Praise God. But keep, you know, authentic Christianity focuses on the root, not the fruit. You focus on the root and you'll enjoy good fruit. The root of righteousness is Jesus Christ. Amen. You focus on Jesus, you'll be fruitful. There's nothing more natural than to bear fruit. Hallelujah. Okay, moving on. 
Counterfeit Christianity is based on feelings. Authentic Christianity operates by faith. Again, looking at the branch. You know, everybody that operates in this counterfeit Christianity is always taking their pulse, taking their temperature, going up and then going down according to circumstances, according to feelings in their life. You know, up and down like a roller coaster. Amen? That's not normal Christianity. Normal Christianity operates by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are just as righteous when you're struggling in sin, when you're in depression, when you're going through problems and, and circumstances that are difficult. You're just as righteous, just as victorious as when everything is going smoothly. Why is that? Because you're in Christ. The just shall live by faith, not by their feelings. We need to be released from feelings-based Christianity. Amen? Because that's not what God has in, uh, intended for us. Okay, let's just look at the last one this morning. Counterfeit Christianity sees only the destination, is always looking for the end result, the fruit, if you like. Whereas authentic Christianity believes in the journey. Counterfeit Christianity always wants a quick fix to every problem. It's not like that. You probably discovered it. You remember when Jesus was tempted? Every one of his temptations, every one of them, was a temptation to get a quick fix. Turn these stones into bread. That's not how you get bread. <laughs> you take seed. You sow it in the ground. You wait till the wheat grows. Okay, then you mill the, the, the wheat, you get the flour, you, you knead it, you, you make it into dough, you put it in the oven, you bake it, and then you have some bread. Amen? Wouldn't it be great if you could just turn stones into bread? Doesn't work that way. And then Satan said to him, throw yourself off that high pinnacle. God will send his angels to catch you. You haven't started your ministry yet. You're just starting your ministry. What a way to launch a ministry. Hey, that's the guy that jumped off the cliff and these angels came down and cushioned his landing and that's him. But that's, that's not the way to do it. God will bring you into what he wants to bring you into. You don't have to try to sensationalize the ministry. Amen? What was the last temptation? I know where you've come. To get the kingdoms of this world back. Bow down and worship me. And I'll give them. You don't have to go to the cross. You can cut out the cross. Get away from me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord God and him alone. Amen? And so, counterfeit Christianity always wants a quick fix. Wants to get there quick. You know, I think I've shared with you before that one of the, one of the greatest um, surprises in all my study was when I discovered that the word faith is hardly ever mentioned in the whole of the Old Testament. You can check it out. I think it's about a dozen times. And even then, it's not really faith as we use the word faith, it's often keeping the faith or being faithful. It's hardly ever mentioned. 
And yet, you know, a word that's mentioned hundreds of times in the Old Testament is the word wait. That word we love. Wait. Do you, do you know, the Hebrew for the word wait is kavah, kavah, with, spelled with a Q. I don't know if I pronounced it right. Kavah. And, and it actually means to bind by twisting together. So it was, a, it was a word that was used of a rope maker who would twist strands together. And, and if you went in those days, in the, in the Bible days, if you went to a shop where they sold rope, where they made ropes and sold them, you'd see the rope maker waiting, waiting, which meant he was twisting these strands together. That's called waiting. Now, where did he get these strands from? He would buy them from a peasant or the peasants. Sometimes a peasant would slip in a weak one. But he didn't discard it. He would twist that around the others and, and as he did so, it became strong. The more he waited, the stronger that rope became. Amen? And you know, the, the, the amazing thing about God and especially the promises of God is it's like he, he gives you something and then it's almost like he takes it away from you. <laughs> he gives you something and, and you build your hope up and then it's almost like he's taken it away from you. Look, look at Abraham, for example. God promised him a son. How long did he have to wait? His wife was barren and then it, it even got to the stage where he was beyond the stage of being able to produce a son. And yet he was waiting. All that time he was waiting, he was becoming more entwined around the person of God himself and becoming stronger. You look at David. God promised him the king. God anointed, sent someone to anoint him as king of Israel. And then what happened? It's like he took it away from him. Saul chased him out of the kingdom. Didn't even live in the land in the end. All that time he was waiting, and you read the Psalms of David. How many times does he say, wait on the Lord? Wait, I say, on the Lord. He just wait. And, and what was happening is that God took him in his weakness, and as he was waiting, he was being entwined around God himself, becoming a strong person. That's the way in the Christian life. There's no quick fix. There's no key to quick success. There's no way of fast-tracking your ministry or your Christian life. Those that wait upon the Lord. Amen? I know you don't like it. <laughs> Who likes waiting? Hands up. Me, me. But it's the way. And you know, as we, as we abide in Christ, we learn to see that we are abiding in Christ by checking to see where our focus is. If you're always examining the branch, if you're always introspective, looking at yourself, then you're probably 
falling into counterfeit Christianity, trying to make things happen, trying to work it all out. Whereas God wants you to focus on the vine, to wait upon him, to draw from his life, to let him do it his way, his time. Doesn't mean you're passive as we shared before, but it means that we do only those things that we see the Father doing. Amen? And next week we're going to conclude this series because uh, we, we only got about halfway through in that chapter, the verses that I want to look at. So we're going to continue that and finish up next week in that series, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for this beautiful Christian life that you've called us into. It is a life, Lord, where we experience your life, the divine life, flowing to us the branches and experiencing fruit good fruit more fruit much fruit and fruit that remains and so father i pray just continue to teach us to abide in the lord jesus christ who is our life we ask it in his name amen amen amen, amen. amen.